Well, hello, everyone. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I'll tell you what's so great is that you just sit right up front right to start with. So that's just fantastic. Um, I'm going to have a word of prayer, then we're just going to kind of do a little introducing, then we'll get right into things. That's Powerheads. Our Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. We want to praise your name this morning. May all that we do bring glory to your name. And when we leave here, Heavenly Father, may we have a new concept of what it means to give leadership in your work. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. I have uh, with me Elder Paul Ratsara. I want him to stand here so you'll know who he is. Uh, Elder Ratsara is the president, the division president of the Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division. How many, how many members do you have in that? Better, better tell us where it's at on the map a little bit. Tell us where it's at on the map a little bit. Okay. Uh, you see the continent of Africa? By the way, uh, good morning to all. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Uh, if you see the continent of Africa, the southern part of, uh, of that continent, uh, and then the islands in the Indian Ocean, that is where the division, uh, Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division. We have 23 countries uh, in that division and territories, and uh, uh, 2.2 million members mm. in how our many, division. How many conferences and unions? Uh, 38 38 union, I mean 38 conferences and fields and eight unions. What is your, your largest conference? How many members does your largest conference have? Almost 200,000. Mm. How much, what's your largest union? Uh, more than half a million. More than a half a million. Wow, that is amazing. Totally, we have two of them, and that is uh, Zambia Union Conference and then a Zimbabwe Union Conference to more than 500,000. Uh, Can we put that in perspective with, say, like North America, what our largest union is? Our largest union in North America is going to be the Southern Union with about 130,000, give or take. North American membership in Canada and the United States and Bermuda is about a million, just a hair over a million. So that kind of gives you a perspective uh, there. Uh, it's interesting that a lot of the literature now is telling us that the center of Christianity is moving away from the Western world and moving to Africa, that uh, particularly biblical Christianity is moving to Africa. Christianity in Africa is growing much faster than any other uh, religion, including the Muslims. You hear that about the Muslims only grow usually by fertility. I think that's why I should say that. Anyway, by having babies. Uh, but Christianity is growing, uh, you know, by, by leaps and bounds. Now, we, we, want, we want to make this a seminar, which means it's a teaching seminar. We don't, we don't plan, we haven't got a group of sermons. But uh, as we go through, you're going to be able to hear, if we go from section to section, you'll be able to hear Elder Atzaral will be weaving his story in. You'll see why. And, uh, and what God is doing. Uh, just some amazing things, just a marvelous things. I've watched him. He invited me to come to his division, and I got to sit and watch him lead his division. And I can tell you, and I'm not trying to build him up here, but I can tell you the Spirit of God is working with him. Uh, his union presidents love him, and his conference presidents love him. He had both his conference presidents and his union presidents there. And I've never seen better leadership anywhere than what he was doing. Some of the best leadership I've ever seen was what he was doing with his, uh, with his uh, group. So we're all going to grow and learn.
from Elder Ratsara. I'm just thrilled that we have him here, and, and he has the, the experience. He's been a conference president. He's been a union president. He's been now a division president, and uh, he has a wide range of experience. He's been a pastor. Uh, he's been evangelist and, and evangelism. He's just got a lot of experience to bring to the table. And uh, now we are talking, Elrit Sar. We're talking not about sec. We're not talking about leading General Motors, are we? No, not at all. We are leading God's church. Amen. <laughs> and we're not. Even- and a spiritual organization. That's right. It's a spiritual yes. organization, and that's going to be very different from things that people hear in the secular world. You may have been to a lot of seminars on on uh, leadership, and I've I've been to some great seminars, some great information. But you could take some of that information and become the new Hitler of the world. You think about it. So we're talking about something totally different. We're not talking about even political. There's a big political contest going on in the United States, you know, if the new president of the United States. And so we're not talking about political leadership. We're talking about the most precious thing in the world, God's church. That's true. And there's no way that we can lead this church if we are not spiritual. That's right. That's right. So we're going to start off with something that you've not, if you've been to any leadership conference, I promise you that you've not heard that. I, I shouldn't say I promise you. I, my guess is you're not, you've not heard what I'm going to show next, what I'm going to tell you next, because they don't think in these terms. And um, before we can lead, you've got to follow. In God's church, Elder Atsara, before you can lead, you've got to be a good follower. That's true. And who are we following? We are following God. Amen. We're following the Lord Jesus. Without the Lord Jesus, we have no pattern of leadership. Unless you follow, you cannot be a leader in God's church. Um, in fact, uh, the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples, you want to give it back to me? Anybody remember? Follow me. Follow me. And so, uh, unless, unless we become good followers, we cannot be good leaders. Now, that, that really changes the paradigm, because everything you hear out there in leadership comes, oh, you've got, you know, you got to do this, you've got to make the connections, you've got everything in the world, and they've got all these things, 21 laws of leadership, which, hey, that's got a lot of good stuff in it, not, not being uh, down on it. But what you, what you don't hear, they, they talk about what it means to be a leader, and, and how you, you know, but that's not where Jesus started. Where Jesus started was... Follow, Follow me. me. Follow me. Let's take a look at some people's uh, lives here. Uh, let's, no, first of all, let's go to the definition of what it means to follow. And feel free to raise your hand, make a comment. Uh, to follow, this is dictionary. I think we ought to take a look at the dictionary. By the way, any of you later, if you want our notes, if you can bring a flash stick or something and pull them off here, we'll be glad to give them to you. Uh, to follow or following means to go or to come after. Now, notice the next part, because that gets more close to where we're at. It means to engage in a way of life. And that's exactly what Jesus meant when he talked about that. It means to obey. Whoa! You know, most leaders want people to obey them. They don't want to obey somebody else. Isn't that right? But that's not where Jesus starts. To be a good follower means that we've got to be obedient. A group of followers are adherents. In other words, you do what the leader does, and the leader's way of life becomes your way of life. Now, 
Elder Rissar, you made a moment ago, you said we've got to be spiritual if we're going to give leadership in the church. In order to be spiritual, does that mean that you are some kind of a mystic? That you need to get into a convent or to a monastery? Or that you need to tag into Richard Foster's New Age um, kind of uh, mystic things? Uh, the answer to that is, that's not where Jesus put his emphasis. Now, let me ask this. We're going to talk about prayer and leadership as we go along. Was Jesus a great man of prayer? Was he a great man of prayer? Yes. He was. And he, he had was. a close connection with his heavenly Father. But, but the, the issue is, do you imitate, do we imitate Christ in our lives and in our living? I would like to say that unless we're imitating Christ... We have no business being in any kind of church leadership. If, that, if you're a youth leader in your local church, if you're a deacon or an elder in your local church, uh, if you are a deaconess or a Sabbath school superintendent or a Sabbath school teacher, you need to ask yourself, am I imitating Christ? And if you're not, you're in the wrong business, in the wrong work. All right, um, let's go on a little bit. Uh, Elder Ritzard, you just feel free to get in here at any point. I want to look at, uh, you have your Bibles? How many of you brought your Bibles? Good, okay, most all of you brought your Bibles this morning. We're going to spend a little time just looking at um, a few examples here. Are you hearing me okay? I can pick up the mic, but if you're hearing me okay, I'll just keep doing it this way. I'd like to go to Numbers chapter 14. Uh, it's a story you know well, but I want to notice some, some uh, portions in here. It's a story of Caleb, and I'd like to look at Numbers 14, and I'd like to look at verse 24. You know the setting is Kadesh Barnea. You have 10, 12 spies. Ten of them come back and say, we can't do this. It's too terrible. You have two of them that come back and say, the Lord is with us. Let's not be afraid of these guys. And you know the rebellion that took place. By the way, did those ten spies, did they have leadership ability? Did they have influence? Did they get results? But how will history, you know, what will sacred history judge those results? Um, let's, uh, let's take a look now at, um, at, the, at Caleb. And somebody has that. Would you stand up and read that for me? Just in a nice, good, loud voice, please. My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whither into he went, and his seed shall possess it. All right. So he said Caleb had two things. Caleb had a different spirit. And I'd like to suggest to you that that word spirit there could mean attitude. Is that a good, uh, good idea? Attitude is huge. If you're going to have influence, you've got to have, a, have the right attitude. Now, you can use a negative attitude like the ten spies did, and you can get negative results. By the way, that's not hard to do. If you watch the political campaign at all that's going on right now, there's huge discussions about attack ads. And I just uh, watched... Um, a little thing on it. So well, why does this person use attack ads when people say they don't like them? And the response was they use attack ads, a, ne- a negative attitude, because it works. So it's, it's very easy with our carnal natures and to, to start a negative attitude to people around you. That is so easy to do that. So, well, you know, and you can be just, just on the negative minus side. 
But Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb had a can-do spirit. Elder Retsara and I were at the Michigan Conference camp meeting. And we had a group of, of folk there. I won't say who. We had a group of folk there. And we were talking about being able to do X, Y, and Z. And it was, uh, it was, not, uh, it was just not an easy thing. And so we threw the idea out. You remember, we're sitting there, threw the idea out. And it was very interesting. Immediately, one person started seeing all the reasons why it couldn't be done. And then a little bit, another one popped up and gave us all the reasons why it could be done. We can do this. And we just kind of smiled. And of course, that, that positive attitude had the influence. And of course, we ended up doing, what, if I, and I'm not giving details on purpose here, we ended up doing what we had suggested because we found somebody that had the positive attitude and everybody else came in behind us to get it done. And it, and it all worked out. So all the fears the person had were unfounded. And, and not that they couldn't have some legitimacy. You've got to be uh, calculated here. But it, but it worked. So he has a, he has, the second thing is, what is the second thing in that text about Caleb? All right. He didn't just follow God. He followed God wholly or fully with his whole heart. If we are going to be a leader in the church of Jesus, shouldn't it be said about us that we are following the Lord fully with our whole heart? If we are not, then we're going to, our influence is going to go wrong direction. Going to go real wrong direction. So, um, let's, let's see what happens 40 years later. What happens 40 years later? Somebody take uh, Joshua, would you? This is a nice long text, but I'd like to have somebody read it. Joshua 14, 6 to 15. Mike, would you do that for me? Sure. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of my people melt, but I fully followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke the words to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, eighty-five years old. As yet I am strong as this day, on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how uh, Anakim was there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave him Hebron, or gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzite, or Kenzite, 
to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Mm. When inspiration repeats things several times, you know it has importance. And you hear over and over again the characteristic of Caleb. He fully followed the Lord. Um, and that's, that's where it all starts. Uh, and it, anything else... You, you know, I might, I might say it this way. I mean, we're going to get into nuts and bolts and that kind of thing. But if you don't have this, if you don't have this, uh, your church or your influence is not going to have the power and impact. Uh, let's uh, go on just a little bit. We're going to look at a few other texts here on, on uh, Simon. Let's look at Simon Peter and uh, for a moment. Somebody take Matthew four eighteen to 20. Would you somebody do that for me? Matthew four eighteen to 20. Just read that for me, please. Now, before these disciples, who are going to give birth, in essence, to the Christian church, before they are given those responsibilities, they first of all are said, follow me, notice what comes first, and then I will make you fishers of men. Elder Sara, I, I want to come back to you for just a second. You are a young man in Madagascar. Talk to us a little bit about... What happened in your first religious experience? How, where did this whole issue of following the Lord? Because if you had never taken this step, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. And why don't you use this since they're beginning to... to... Okay. Um, I think this idea of following God is so crucial when it comes to our walking with God. Um, maybe some of you uh, know already that uh, I was not raised as uh, as Christian. I mean, and let alone Seventh Day Adventist Church in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Um, my religious experience in the Christian um, denomination was just limited to probably once a year uh, attending uh, Christ- during Christmas time. And uh, probably the most is twice a year uh, during Easter time. Uh, but uh, to just to cut the long story short, uh, the Lord, the Lord called me out of darkness when I was about to be trained to be a chief. Uh, as you can imagine, if uh, if I went to that route, would have been very deep. And uh, it had been very hard to get out of that traditional uh, path. Now, your your father was a chief, am I right? Yes. Okay, so that would have been that you would have been following in those footsteps. That's true. That's true. And part of the responsibilities of uh, of being a chief, a traditional chief, is to keep to keep the tradition of the elders, to keep the tradition, the heritage of the family. So I was really in darkness, uh, but in that darkness, I found a book, and guess what? The New Testament. The New Testament, and I read that book, and when I was um, uh, tending the ship, 
um, of, of the family, I read the book from cover to cover. And uh, I discovered Jesus Christ. And I was called to follow him. It was not easy to uh, answer that call positively. Because uh, you see the, the possibility of being influential. The world's calling. But the voice of God was so strong. And I could not resist. So I followed Jesus. And after that, when I decided to, to follow Jesus, uh, another call came to follow him and to be a minister. And that was the most difficult. Now, I, this following business is not easy. And I, 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 don't want you to, I want you to share, if you would, your parents were really excited about this whole idea of, of you going back to... To school, right? They were really happy about this? No, actually, okay, since we have time, let me just, uh, <laughs> I wanted just to summarize that, uh, but uh, Elder Gallimo want me to, wants me to go deeper. So um, probably we'll use about uh, 10 to 12 minutes to summarize um, my, um, my life experience. Uh, actually, I, w I went to school and uh, the Lord has blessed. I, I advanced very fast there. Um, God has given this talent, uh, but I had, a, I had to pay a heavy price on that one. Uh, people start to talk about me, that I will go far. Uh, probably this young man will become the president of our country here. At least he will be, become a very influential man. So my parents, really, they, they were carried away when they listened to, to that kind of thing. Um, but some, some were not, um, were not excited about the, the whole thing. So they became very jealous of me. And I was poisoned. I was poisoned. They wanted to finish me, those people. And for uh, five Five months, I was so sick. Uh, it is. It was this kind of poison that kills you gradually, just to destroy the system of your body, and finally you die. Um, I was sent to the hospital. Uh, the doctor tried very hard, but one day uh, he called my father. He said, "Listen, uh, we have done our best uh, for your son." But uh, we think that we, we can no longer continue. Uh, you have to take your, your son. So I was taken out of the hospital uh, to die. I went to the, to the town, to the village, and people were waiting for the announcement of, uh, of my death. Uh, of course, I didn't die. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, but I was very sick. Uh, people were waiting Fortunately, there was a, a friend of the family who came. He said, no, I know how to cure this. Uh, we, we just give him something and that will uh, neutralize the, the, the impact uh, of the, the, the power of this poison and uh, you will be cured. So I took that and I was cured. Um, but my mom was determined. He said, no, uh, son, we are not going to allow you to go back to school uh, because we'd rather have you 
with us uh, rather than going allowing you to go back to school and you die because um, the, uh, she said these people are so determined to to kill you so if you go back to school they will come back and get you again I tried I love books I tried to convince them they said no way uh, we don't want to discuss this you must stay be a farmer like all of us I tried again finally it was uh, I gave up I said okay fine so for more than a year, I didn't go to school. And during that time, that my father had another plan. He said, okay, I will train this young man to, to take my place, to be the chief this time. So I, I went deep into the training. You know, this is a long training to be a chief. But during that time, I found a book, as I told you. And that was the Old Testament, New Testament. I studied, I read the New Testament from cover to cover, and when I reached uh, the part of, of crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross, in the middle of darkness, I saw Jesus. And the voice was so clear that, look, I want you to follow me. Follow me. And when I felt the presence of God in my life, the idea of not going back to school became unbearable. So I came back to the parents again, pleaded, please, uh, allow me to go to school. Nothing will happen to me. God will protect me. They said, no. Then I prayed, uh, asked again, and finally... My dad told me, I think, son, you will go back to school. I was so happy. I was so happy, and I went back to school and studied, and I saw uh, the, the Bible this time. Not only the New Testament, but the Bible. I read that one, and I felt the call, uh, the call of God for me to become a minister. Um, that also is a, was a challenge, because finally... Uh, the parents said, well, uh, we can see that um, you are fine now. We are no longer afraid. Uh, you can continue. You, you, you pray and you study. But they, they still had this, um, this ambition. And for me to become a minister, um, it was very difficult to tell them. So I did not want to offend them. Because I knew for sure that they will be very disappointed. Their plan, their ambition will just, just go away. Uh, and uh, I know the reaction. So I just um, tried to suppress it. And I went to a school. Uh, uh, I wrote this uh, test, this exam. Uh, we were 1,200 of us. Uh, and uh, they took only 12. I was part of the 12. So I just went there and studied but I was not happy at all. And finally, to cut the long story short, I went to the, to the director and said, Sir, I cannot continue here. I have to go. I have to leave. He could not understand because that was a, a great opportunity for any young man. He said, How come you, you have to leave? He said, No, I can't. So I, I decided to, to go home and uh, take the courage to tell the parents. When they saw me, uh, they said, what happened? 
I said, well, you know that uh, all these times I, I wanted to be a minister, but I didn't have the courage. Now I, I want to go and learn and to become a pastor. I said, what? To become a pastor? You can go, you can pray, you can, you, can, you can be a Christian without being a pastor. I said, yes, it's true. But as far as I'm concerned personally, it's a calling. He said, no, 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 you cannot do that to us. You, we, we are not going to allow you to do that. Um, so I tried to convince them, but there's no way. There was a meeting, uh, the family meeting, saying that no, uh, we, we, I cannot do that. So I prayed. Finally, um, they were there together with me. I had packed already my, my stuff ready to go. But they tried. They said, no, you cannot go. You cannot treat us like this. You must stop. Uh, you can't be Christian without being a pastor. He said, yeah, it's true, but the call of God is so strong in my heart. I cannot say uh, no. Then my mom uh, sat next, next to the door and she started to cry. She said, look, um, I carry you in my womb for nine months. If you pass here, meaning the front door, don't come back because you are no longer my son. And I knew she meant it. Uh, it was a very hard decision. But God said, follow me. I had to follow. We were very united as family. No strong argument. But I had to follow God's bidding. And I passed that door knowing that from that day they have disowned me. And for one year it was true. No communication whatsoever. I have to take care of myself and so on. Um, but the Lord is good. I studied I came back after one year. I said, well, let me try to go back. And if they, if they reject me, I've tried. If they accept me, praise the Lord. So I went back and I talked to, um, to them. They accepted me. And my dad was a chief. He said, son, we are sorry that we have overreacted. Actually, he said, continue your studies and come back and baptize me. Um, the Lord, when you follow the voice of God, it can be trying, it can be difficult, but it cannot go wrong. God is taking care of you when you follow His voice, because the leadership is about God's leadership. All of us, we are followers. The leader per excellence, is God himself. And we cannot be leaders without being um, led by God himself. And I can, I can testify today that that decision, even though it was hard, that was the best decision I followed, I have taken in my life. Not to say no. 
to God's calling. All of us here, the fact that you are here, God has called you to do something. I cannot guarantee that it will be smooth. If I look back, it was trying. But the Lord has been always there. And that is, that is the good thing about God. He's always present and is always guiding. He will never let us down. The most important thing to become a leader is to listen to the voice of God. And that is the key. And I will expand on that later on. Um, and I will give some examples in my, uh, my experience as an administrator. That this is the key. To me, it was a paradigm shift in my understanding of leadership. Um, I've studied leadership uh, beside theology and so on. But uh, I'm still convinced that the best concept of leadership is the Bible. Is biblical. And what Jesus used is the one. And it is about listening to the voice of God. It is about to be in God's will. In God's will. That is, that is the exercise that we need to do as, as leaders. To make sure that every day we are in God's will. To make sure that we are attentive to the voice of God. To be God's leaders, I mean, to be leaders in God's church, that is it. I believe that the, the worst curse that a church can have, be it local church or local conference or a union or a division or even above that, is to have a leader that is not led by God. And it happened. It happened in the Bible. You see, the first king of Israel, the king Saul, he was so humble when he started. He was so humble, he was led by God, step by step. Unfortunately, he became so proud and arrogant, and he stopped listening to the voice of God. He listened to himself. He listened to his pride. And he stopped listening to the voice of God. And from there, it was a curse for the people of God. And sometimes you don't understand that God did not stop him right there. God allowed him to continue. Meaning, his term of office continued. But the term of the Holy Spirit stopped. And he still took decision, big decision for the church, but the Holy Spirit was no longer leading. So for these years, he just decided he was the leader, but he didn't listen to the voice of God. So friends, that is the key. Listen to the voice of God and follow his leadership and you will become 
the leader of God's church. Mm. Amen. See, every one of us, God is actively involved in, in your life. And he's actively involved in your journey. And um, Jesus said something very interesting. I, I, it just had not jumped out at me like this. But a few months ago I was reading. I'm sorry I don't have the text right off the top of my head. But, you know, I've always read where Jesus said to call no one your teacher or no one your rabbi. But this particular translation said call no one your leader. For you have one leader, which is Christ. But we are under shepherds. And uh, the Bible has some pretty hard things to say about people that are not dedicated. And let's look a little bit more at Simon Peter here. Uh, somebody take Luke, if you would, uh, 5, verses 1 to 8. Uh, you look that up. Stand right up and read that for me, if you would. Luke uh, 5, verses 1 to 8. Who wants to do that for me? Here's some pages turning. Saves my voice a little bit. Stand right up. If you've got it and you're willing to read it, right here. Go ahead. Stand right up and read that for us. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, and he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drop. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word will I let down the net. And when they had this done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. All right, now tell me, thank you, thank you so much. Tell me what the pivot moment was in that rendition. What was the pivot moment on which the whole event Turned. There's really one word there. All right, when he decided to follow Christ's instructions, give me the word that shows the pivot right in the back. Go ahead, ahead. Nevertheless, that's it. Why is nevertheless the pivot word? Exactly. In other words, he says, I will abandon my science. I will abandon my technology. I will abandon what I know. And I'll trust you because whatever you're telling me to do doesn't fit with my technology. Now, now let me tell you that this nevertheless is where we are suffering in the church today. That's where we're suffering. Because people look around and they see, they see, they see uh, 
big mega churches, and they say, look, they did this, that, and the other. You know, they brought in the music, they brought in the whatever, and, and it works. It works. So if they can get a crowd with it, why don't we do it? They fish at night, they get fish. And, and so in our, in our church boards, in our church business meetings, in our youth meetings, in our councils, we have these kinds of discussions. And at some point, we come to the word, nevertheless. The nevertheless is where the under-shepherd shows whether he's following the Lord or not. Will we follow the Lord irregardless of what we see around us? Will we follow the Lord? Follow where I'm coming from? It's huge. It's huge. It's going on at every level of church uh, work. And you can expect the devil, of course, to come, to come with that. Nevertheless. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 14, 26 to 33. Who's going to read that one for me? Matthew, right in the back. Stacy. Tell me where the story turns. Around what does it... Where does it circle? Go ahead, you're thinking. Take the risk. You may, you may not get it right. You might be right and I might be wrong. That's possible. What's that? Okay, that that's good. It's not what I was thinking. Mm, that's good. Not what I was thinking. Yes. And then it says he was afraid. Now, now look back at the first part of that. Was that a good thing to want to walk on water? Yes or no? I think it was. I think it was fantastic. Jesus, Jesus didn't push Peter back. I, I like this about Peter. You know, he sees Jesus walking the water. Do we want to do what Jesus wants to do? Did Jesus do great and mighty things? Did he promise that you'll do greater things than even I've been able to do, so to speak, if you follow me? Did he say that? Does Jesus want us to accomplish great things? Is there a role of faith in leadership? Amen. And at some point, I hope Elder Ratsar will talk about the role of faith and leadership. Uh, you, you've got to be able. If you've got a youth group, what do you want to? What do you see? What do you want? We're going to talk about visioning before we're done here. How do you? How do you lead? Anyway, 
Peter sees Jesus walk on the water. And he said, I want to do that. Jesus, you're doing it. So if Jesus is doing it, it must be okay for me to do it, right? So he says, can I do this? And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He says, come on, Peter. Sure, you can do it. And Peter steps out and he's walking on water. How many of you like to do that? I'd like to do that. I think I'd like to be with Peter. And, and, and not only that, it's a storm going on, you know. I mean, it's not just walking on just a clean glass lake. It is getting out on when the waves are going around. So he has moved. He's doing great things for God. And in the midst of doing great things for God, he runs into this wind. Now, has he, has he followed has he followed Jesus? One of the challenges is that we start off following Jesus. And then for sure, there's going to be a boisterous wind. Hear me. You start following Jesus. Elder Atsar will tell you, he can tell you at some point about some of the winds he's run into in his life. You heard one already. He made that decision to follow Jesus. I mean, that's tough. I mean, don't we love our mothers? Their families are close. I tell people, you want to have influence on me? Then, you know, you can come, you can have some influence. But if you get some close friends of mine, they can really have some influence. But if you go get my mother, you're taking unfair advantage of me. So, he made his decision to follow Jesus. The boisterous wind was when his mother looks at him and says, I carried you for nine months in my womb. You walk out this door. You're no longer my son. That's a wind. Thank the Lord that he didn't get afraid. I think he was afraid, but he he didn't let the fear affect his decision. Follow me? It's not a matter if you're, if you're going to be afraid. You will be afraid. But you don't let your fears rule your decision. When Peter sees the wind, he becomes afraid. When he becomes afraid, he loses trust in Jesus. And begins to. Aren't you glad for a wonderful Savior though? The story ends good. It ends wonderful. Um, you know, I'm going to have to skip part of this, I think, because I'm, I'm running out of time here just a little bit. So we're, we're going to move on. Uh, I want you to take this one. This is the Apostle Paul. This is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. And I'm going to have Elder Atzar come up and comment on this one. You see... Um, it is always good to find the key, uh, key to successful leadership. And Paul, I would say, is one of the most successful Christian leaders uh, we know. And he is the key. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. I would like if uh, one of you read this. Okay, just stand and read. This is the key. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You see the pattern here, the formula used by Paul to be a good leader? 
I can see that this is the divine key to, to become a good leader in the church. He said, follow my example. And then, because I am following the example of Jesus. This is again following Jesus so that we can lead. Lead us, Lord, so that we can lead. That is the thing. The, the time when God stops lead us, where we don't allow God to lead us, then we should stop leading God's church. So, this is the formula. Follow me. That is very brave. Uh, just when Paul says, follow me. Uh, take my example. Follow my example. Do what I do. And I think we, uh, we need to ask God to be able to say, like Paul, follow my example. Not many leaders can say that. He said, follow my example. But that is the true leadership. True leadership. We'll talk more about that later on. But the formula here is that let's follow God so that people can follow us. Amen. Don't go away. I want to go to the next one here. Because this one is, um, this is very important. And, and people don't think about Jesus being a follower. And I, I want you to go right here because you've you, you got a good focus on that. All right. So, Paul, Paul was a follower. Follower of Jesus. He followed Jesus. And even Jesus himself was a follower. Let's read John chapter 5, verse 19. Okay? Please, someone, please read this. John chapter 5, verse 19. Okay? Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like man. Okay. Jesus himself was a follower. That's why he's a good leader. John chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Please read that. About Jesus. Yes. John chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Okay. Please stand and read. Thank you very much. To me, this is so vital as a concept of this follower, following. So the key word, the key concept is for us to be a leader, we need to be a good follower. Uh, the world is saying, okay, start leading. Don't mind about following. You need to lead. But for us, the key is, you need to follow to be able to lead. Okay. I thought that was a powerful thought. Uh, it's, a, it's a thought I had not had in my uh, repertoire here. So I want him to uh, comment on it. That we often don't think about Jesus following his heavenly Father. W was it costly for Jesus to follow his Father? 
I think it was very costly. Um, if you go to, and I, I don't think I have time to go there that, right now, but if you go to Philippians, I think it's Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus changing. It says he thought it was not robbery to be equal with God. Uh, let me explain what I mean by this. Jesus is standing beside his Father, and he is giving commands. He's not taking orders. Understand. So when the, when the angels look to Jesus, they look to him for commands. Jesus said, go and tend this galaxy. I want you to take you know, 10,000 angels, and I want you to adjust 5,000 suns out there. I don't know what they're doing. But the Bible says that Jesus has, the God the Father has a million personal attendants around his throne. And Jesus is standing beside his Father and he's giving orders. Now listen to this. But he took on himself the form of a servant. So now Jesus changes position. Instead of standing beside his Father, now he becomes a servant. And now he takes orders. Is that following? Notice flashback to where Satan was. Satan's great, Satan's great sin, Satan's great sin was choosing no longer to be a servant. God had created him a servant, but now he steps away and tries to become God himself. Jesus does just the opposite. He who is God becomes a servant. Do you know why Jesus is going to be the leader of the universe and why all of us and all of the billions of worlds and billions of people are going to honor him throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity as the leader of the universe? It's because he's the greatest servant in the universe. He's the greatest follower of the Heavenly Father. Uh, there's no one like Jesus. Now, this is the tough part if we're going to follow Jesus. got about two minutes here. To follow Jesus means that we pick up his cross. What does that mean? Uh, a lot of people start the Christian journey. They just say, you know, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. But they don't think of what it's going to cost them. There's, uh, we need to count the cost. And to be a leader in God's church, you need to understand that you will get opposition. Now, if the opposition is, is based on Scripture where we're, we're going astray, then that's good. But if it's opposition based on the fact that you're being faithful to the Lord and faithful to Scripture, then you have to just to deal with it. You have to deal with the opposition. Uh, it, it is a costly thing. Let me ask you, what did it cost the disciples? How many of them died a martyr's death? All but one. And they tried to kill John. And you know the story. You can find it there, I think, in I think it's Acts of the Apostles, that Nero took John because he wouldn't, they couldn't break him. And so they threw him in a pot of boiling oil. And he wouldn't die. So they didn't know what else to do with him, so they banished him to the Isle of Patmos. You know, Jesus can do anything. I don't like this sometimes because I have to give up control. Hello. I was talking to somebody the other night, day, and, and they said, you know, you know why I hate flying? I said, why do you hate flying? I said, I'm totally out of control. I says, yes, and most of us glad you are. 
I know nothing about flying a plane. But I will tell you that it does give you that a little feeling, you know, I am at total mercy of whoever's flying this thing. You have to come to that place with Jesus. You have to come to the place that Jesus owns your life. You come to the place that if you're going to follow Him, and if you're going to have influence for Him, if you're going to become a fisher of men, that thrills me. It just sends a chill up and down my back. Think about it. Become a fisher of men. You've got to be willing to pick up your cross. And that means that you're willing to do and to suffer and to turn over your living, whatever it means. It means you can't plan your life. You have to trust Him with your life. Follow me and I will make you. There's the promise. Fishers of men. God bless you. We'll get started again in about 15 minutes. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.